0: Hey everybody, good morning and welcome uh, to Christ Community Chapel. Really glad that you're here. Welcome those of you over in East Hall, those of you tuning in, Uh, welcome. All right, let me start with uh, a little bit of family news. Uh, You know that we have several campuses. At the Aurora campus last weekend, they had a baptism service and they baptized 65 people. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I love baptisms for a couple of reasons. One is, it's just great to hear somebody get up and say, I love Jesus, and Jesus loves me. And I want to go public to say, I'm going to follow him till the day I die. There is something profound about driving a stake like that. And if you haven't been baptized, let me tell you, if you missed, I don't know even you know what to call it, the big dunk here at the <laughs> Hudson campus. And you're thinking, man, I wish I was there. I wish I'd gone. Uh, Then two weeks from today, on May 20th, uh, in the evening, we're having an event that we're calling Just Worship. It's a time we're going to gather and we're going to worship for an hour, hour and ten minutes, just because sometimes we need longer time to worship. And during that worship service, we are going to baptize. So if you missed that baptism and you are a follower of Jesus and you want to be baptized, then you come. Uh, If you will sign up in the atrium, at the table in the atrium, then we'll have everything ready for you. You don't have to bring anything. You just come, all right? The other reason that I love baptism is because uh, I think a few weeks ago I told you that if this is your heart, every time you disobey God, it's like you move further away from God, further away from faith. Every time you obey God, particularly if it's hard to obey him, you are throwing yourself into the very heart of God. So you will experience a deeper understanding of his love for you and you will grow in your affection and love for him every time you obey him. And that's what happens with baptism. That's really what we're going for this whole year in our transformed 2018 theme. We're trying to find different areas of our lives where we want to throw ourselves into the heart of God in, in obedience where we haven't before. And a couple of weeks ago, I challenged you in the area of giving Uh, A tithe is uh, the biblical principle of giving 10% of your income back to God, in part to help us keep money in its proper place so it doesn't become more than it's designed to be in our lives and in our hearts. And so what I challenge everybody to do is consider the month of May. Of just saying, for the month of May, in this area of my life, I'm going to throw myself into the heart of God and obey. Even though it's hard, it's hard for everybody. But when you do that, to find out what God does in your heart and in your life this month. All right? And that's if you are a follower of Jesus. Listen, if, if you are just checking out the church, if you're trying to figure out uh, who Jesus is, then listen, do not leave this service and say to somebody, oh yeah, I went to church and all they talked about was money. All they want is your money. That's not it. What we're talking about is obedience. Listen, <laughs> this is the truth. You will not be different in December than you are right now unless something changes. Right? So we're going to try to figure out different places in our lives where God is calling us to change. We're going to do that. So if you want to do that, then this is the first week of trying to do that. For what We're calling it 10 for one, 10% for one month. See what happens. Right? And we thought that if we we're going to uh, challenge everybody to do that, then this first week, it'd be good to give it all away. So uh, we're uh, making this week a Micah 6.8 weekend. Micah 6.8 is a verse that says, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And about three or four times a year, uh, CCC introduces different ministries, and then we, in the offering time, every penny goes to those ministries. That's what we're going to do this weekend. And the initiative that we are going to do this weekend is called Transform Summit. Transform Summit. Um, Most of you know that Ohio is the epicenter of the heroin and opiate epidemic. Thirteen people die every day, in the state of Ohio from overdoses. 13 people will die today from an overdose. 10,000 people are addicted to opiates in Summit County alone. A thousand children have been thrown into the foster care system this past year simply because of the opiate addiction of their parents. We don't have enough foster homes for a thousand more children. The epidemic is like a bomb going off, and we are ground zero for that bomb, and there is all kinds of collateral damage that happens. You have the, the life of the person who's addicted uh, begins to become frayed and destroyed, and then everyone that they care about, everyone who cares about them is impacted. And then if they have children, those children's lives are thrown into confusion and chaos. We have seen that, that sex trafficking is on the rise in our area because People who are addicted are such low-hanging fruit for sex traffickers, and the sex traffickers are looking at generational business because they're looking at the addicts and they're looking at their children, waiting for their children because they know their children are more vulnerable than they've ever been before. And as a church, we have got to do something, and this is why. Every once in a while, I'll read a sign that says, Jesus is the answer. Is he? Is he? Jesus is the answer to everything or to nothing. Jesus is the answer for everyone or for no one. And we believe that Jesus is the answer to everything for everyone. So Jesus has to be right smack dab in the middle of all that's going on as this bomb has gone off right in the middle of where we live. I, um, I look at churches the way uh, people who love cars look at cars. And when I'm driving, uh, every church catches my eye and I, and I look at it and I'll, I'll pray for it sometimes, but I always think, I wonder what goes on in there. I wonder what they're learning. I wonder what they're doing. I wonder if they're doing anything for anyone in this community other than themselves. And people are driving by our church right now and they're thinking that. They're thinking, I wonder what goes on in that big building. I wonder if those people do anything for anyone else other than themselves, don not they impact the community in a good way at all? Transform 2018 has got to be more, uh, has got to be about more than just transforming us. It's got to be transforming us in order to have an impact on the world around us. So we're calling this Transform Summit. There's kind of a, an intended double meaning. One is uh, Summit County, and we want to transform it because if this is the, If this is ground zero for the problem, we need it to be ground zero for the solution, and we want to be part of that. But the second meaning is a summit is a word that you use to gather like-minded people, like-minded organizations to do something together. We know we can't do this alone, so we're going to be calling on other people and other churches to join us in this endeavor. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. All right. Uh, This week we kick off a new series called Agents of Change. We're going to look at four tools that God gives us to help change us, but also help us change the world. And here are the four tools. Prayer, that's this week. The gospel, that's next week. Worship, that's the third week. And the Bible is the fourth week. Today I want to talk about prayer. Prayer is a, uh, is a, big subject. There's a lot of different things I could say about prayer. I want to focus on one particular aspect. There are actually usually four divisions of prayer. Anne Lamott uh, wrote a great little book on prayer. And I like the book, but I love the title. And her title is simply Help, Thanks, Wow. That's it. Help, Thanks, Wow. And that's what she said prayer was about. Help, That's the aspect of asking for things from God when you need him. Thanks is about thanksgiving. Wow is about praise. The only thing she left off was confession. It should have been help, thanks, wow, I'm sorry I've been such an idiot. Right? That's the the book I'm going to write. I want to focus on help, on the request, on the ask. I want to talk about prayer, not just because this last week was the National Day of Prayer, but because prayer is going to be such a huge part of Transform Summit. But prayer is hard to gauge, right? It's hard to measure. And sometimes uh, answered prayers is kind of easy to explain away, because who's to say if what you prayed for wouldn't have happened anyway if you hadn't prayed? It's kind of like the The story about the guy who uh, was late for an appointment. It was a really important appointment. He couldn't find a parking space. He was getting more and more panicky, and he was driving around and looking for... Finally, he cries out to God, and he says, God, please give me a parking space so I can make this appointment. And he did what a lot of people do. He bargained with God, and he said, God, if you will give me a parking space, if you will open one up, I will quit the golf league that is on Sunday morning, and I'll go to church every week for a year. Right then, right at that moment, a parking space opened up, and this guy quickly said, all right, God, no no thanks. I already got one. Right? Right? That's the way we do it with prayer. All right, here are my three points for this morning on prayer. One, I want to talk about a common mistake. Two, I want to talk about an uncommon discovery. And then I want to talk about the extraordinary challenge. All right, a common mistake An uncommon discovery and the extraordinary challenge. First, a common mistake. Uh, I want to read just a a short passage about prayer that's found in Philippians chapter 4. And this is just a few verses, but listen to what Paul says about prayer. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is God's word. A common mistake people make with prayer is that they go to extremes. I'll talk to people who believe that all prayers are answered. And that if you have enough faith, everything you ask of God will be given to you. And that means that if if it's not answered, it means that it was on you because you didn't have enough faith. You didn't believe enough. And the other extreme are people who say, you know what, if God is sovereign, God's going to do what God's going to do. So why pray? Right? And what this passage has us B is right in the middle of that tension. One of the other problems with prayer, too, is this, that um, a lot of times when we pray, the smaller prayers seem like they're answered more often than the larger prayers. Like You have a huge prayer, a need that you think only God can meet. You go, God, I need a miracle. Those answers seem to be rare. The smaller prayers seem to be answered more often. Why is that? Uh, We need a certain level of maturity in order to understand prayer. When I say a certain level of maturity, I don't mean maturity in in how much you know, but a maturity in how much you actually don't know. And let me explain what I mean. A four-year-old asks for a lot of things. I don't know if you've been around a four-year-old lately. They ask for a lot. Now, a four-year-old also has a ton of needs. They have no clue To ask for that a loving parent just provides for them. But a a four-year-old asks for a lot of things, but the problem with a four-year-old is that they don't have a very good understanding of the big picture of life. So a four-year-old doesn't understand why they have to go home when they're having so much fun. A four-year-old doesn't understand why they can't have certain things. A four-year-old doesn't understand why their friend moved away the four-year-old doesn't understand why they have to go to the dentist or sit in a car seat or a hundred other things, right? Because it, he doesn't have a big picture of life. Oh, and this is why also, when a four-year-old asks for things, the bigger the ask, the more common a parent, the more often a parent has to say, no, right? Because the bigger the ask, you need a bigger understanding of the big picture, right? and this is the thing you have to know about prayer. The gap between a four-year-old having an understanding of the big picture of his life is compared to you and your understanding of the big picture for the four-year-old's life is smaller than the gap between you and your understanding of the big picture of your life and God. Right? The four-year-old has a better understanding of the big picture of his life than you have of your life. So what happens is we have to stand in the midst of this tension between all prayers being answered, no prayers being answered, because one of the things that prayer is supposed to do is remind me I'm not the center of the universe, but I am cared for by one who is. And that takes a delicate balance between answered prayer. and Just like with a four-year-old, a a loving parent has to have this delicate balance between doing what a four-year-old who thinks they're the center of the universe, who they want to convince them that they are cared for by someone who loves them, but they're not the center of the universe because them being in the center of the universe would be a terrible thing. And my default mode is always to make myself the center of the universe and make God my servant to do my bidding. So as Christians, we stand in this tension. In this passage that I read, every single part of this is important. Let me just read verses four through six. It says, rejoice in the Lord always, Again, I will say rejoice. That's reminding yourself who God is and what, you know, almost every day when I uh, get up and I write in my prayer journal, like this morning, I start out by saying, this is what I know about you, dot, dot, dot. And then I'll write, this morning, this is what I wrote. This is what I know about you. You are like a watchmaker where you know everything about the watch. You made me. You know everything about me. You know everything about every life that touches me. You know everything about every life that doesn't touch mine. You know everything. And you know how it's supposed to work. And you love me. And I know that because you sent Jesus for me. And for today, that's all I need to know. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. First, you start out By understanding who God is. And then the next thing he says is, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And what he's saying there is is think. Think. Don't just react. Think about stuff. Think about who you are. Who God is. And then the Lord is at hand. The Lord is right here with you. Do not be anxious about anything. That's trust. That's rest. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. As a follower of Jesus, we stand right in the tension between every prayer being answered, no prayers being answered, because standing here reminds us we are not the center of the universe, but we are cared for by the one that is, and we will trust that. Okay, that's the common mistake. Then let's go to an uncommon discovery. There's a verse um, that's always bugged me. It's in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, Paul goes through—it's a really small verse— but Paul is, is, he mentions this in a, kind of a, uh, a bunch of little commands that are like bullet point commands. And this is what it says in First Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul says, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Okay, the verse that bugs me is uh, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Because I always would read that and I'd be going, what does that even mean? How does anyone pray without ceasing? But this is what I think I figured out. Uh, there's a story in 1 Kings where God is going to speak to Elijah, the prophet. And he takes Elijah and he says, I'm going to talk to you, I got something to tell you. But he puts him in the cleft of the mountain. And then three things happen. There's a tornado, there's a fire, and then there's an earthquake. But Scripture says that God wasn't in the tornado. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. And then it says that God spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice that God whispered. It's hard to hear somebody when they whisper. You have to be quiet to hear someone whisper. And this was my epiphany. You know, that the passage I just read you in Philippians about prayer. I've, I read verses 4 through 7. Verse 8 of Philippians 4 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's the way he closes talking about prayer. Think about this stuff. And the thing that struck me was that what he was describing was like God's neighborhood. It's where God likes to hang out. God loves things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. God exists in that neighborhood. This is what's true. In my neighborhood, um, there's an ice cream truck that goes around, you know, with the song playing all the time. That would drive me crazy. I can hear it when I'm in my neighborhood. When I'm not in my neighborhood, of course, I can't hear it. If I'm in my neighborhood, but I'm watching TV or I have earbuds in and I'm listening to something, I can't hear it. But if in my neighborhood and I'm quiet, I can hear every single note. And this is what I started to understand, is that the more I will focus my thoughts on things that are pure and true and just and good and commendable and excellent and praiseworthy, the more I will be in the neighborhood where God inhabits. And so, what I started to do is uh, every time I'm driving somewhere, I, I, I don't listen to the radio. I drive in silence. And now, what I try to do is to not think about politics, not think about uh, social media, not think about sports, not think about. Uh, what somebody has done to me or how frustrated I am, what I try to do is think about stuff that is pure and good and just and excellent and praiseworthy, even if just looking around at creation and just saying, wow, that is just beautiful. Because this is the truth. If you want to hear someone whisper, you have to be quiet. If you want somebody to hear you speak, then you have to talk. But what I do in my car is I give God access to my thoughts because I'm hanging around where he hangs around. And so he can hear everything that I am saying in my silence, and then I can hear him whisper. And for me, I am closer to praying without ceasing than I've ever been because of this discovery that I've made. And I tell you that because I'm going to ask you to pray more. And if you're going to pray more, you have to find more time. And a lot of times people struggle with prayer. They struggle with praying for very long. And this is one of the ways that you can be in silence. I don't even have to be thinking or talking. I can just think about the things that God thinks about and allow him access to my thoughts and then let him speak. All right? And that brings me to the extraordinary challenge. You know, I told you that um, <clears throat> there's this common problem that people have with prayer, which is that all prayers are answered or no prayers are answered. There's another problem that people have with prayer, and it's the extreme of either all prayer or all action. I'll meet people that are either one. Like somebody will come up to me and they'll say, "Uh, Pastor Joe, I I need a job, and I've been praying for God to give me a job, and I haven't gotten a job, and I need you to pray with me. Will you pray with me because I've been praying about a job? And I'll say, that's great. Listen, what else are you doing? And they'll say, nothing. I'm just praying. I think God will just give me a job. And I want to go, you know what, you might, you might want to send out a few resumes, right? You're all prayer, you're no action. And I'll talk to somebody else They'll say, hey, Pastor Joe, I need a job. I've been knocking at every door. I've been sending out resumes. I've been doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I haven't got a job. I said, have you prayed about it? And they'll look at me like a deer caught in headlights, right? What God wants is both, right? Prayer and action. And the reason I tell you that is there's a story in Exodus chapter 17. It's a very interesting story. It's a very strange story. In Exodus chapter 17, Moses has led the people of God out of Egypt. And there's a group that are about to attack them that are called the Amalekites. And then there's this story about what happens. And this is the story. This is Exodus chapter 17, beginning at verse 8. And it's a very short story. It says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men, and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'll stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua. (laughs) What a weird story. I mean, you see what happened, right? God didn't have to do it like that. God could have said, hey, Joshua, stand down, Moses, go up in the mountain, pray to me, I will suck all the air out of every lung of the Amalekites, and they are all just drop dead. Or he could have said to Joshua, you go and fight, but he said, Moses, you go up in the mountain, and that raising of the staff is prayer. You, you go up and pray, and Joshua, you are boots on the ground, you fight. But then God says to Moses at the end, listen, you need to write this down in a book and tell Joshua because Joshua is going to feel like it all was him. Joshua is fighting the battle and he starts to lose and he thinks, oh, I got a great idea. I'm going to send troops around and flank them on this area. And he thinks he made something brilliant, right? But Moses was praying. If we're going to transform Summit, if we're going to really impact this area, we need both. We need people praying on the mountain. We need boots on the ground. Um, oh, I, I forgot to tell you, too, Dan Gregory, who is the CEO of the Restore uh, Addiction Recovery Ministry that we want to be a part of. Uh, he is, what we're trying to do is build this uh, state of the art, kind of the best recovery institute in uh, the nation, because we're going to put Jesus right there in the middle of it, because if Jesus is the answer to everything for everyone, he's got to be a part of the solution, right? So that's what we want to do, and about a year ago, I had Dan up on the stage, and he was was telling us what they were going to do, and then he said, I said, what do you need? What should we be praying for? He said, boy, pray that we'll get land, and then he kind of chuckled, and he said, if you want to pray that somebody would give us 30 acres in Summit County, then pray that way. So we prayed. Nine months later, Summit County gave us 30 acres of land in a prime location with maybe more land if we're able to do what we said we wanted to do. We prayed up on the mountain. Dan was boots on the ground, turning over every rock, knocking on every door. And God did that. That's what we want. Okay, there are going to be two parts of Transform Summit. One is we're calling it a Reach Summit, and the, that part is uh, where we focus on the 10,000 people who are addicted to opiates and the 1,000 children that are thrown into foster care, which means we will be asking people, boots on the ground, to be involved with that. It means that we are going to be more involved with Restore, this recovery is kind of Uh, Addiction Institute, and then we're gonna be helping with the foster care and all of that. The other part is called Rescue Summit, and that's where we're gonna focus on trafficking and trying to rescue people out of trafficking, trying to do preventative care and education for trafficking, All right? Every time we do a Micah 6-8 weekend, we uh, invite you to do one of three things, or all three things. Pray, give, go. That's our thing, right? So with prayer, this is what we're, this is our goal. We want to get 10,000 people committed to praying for one year to reach and rescue Summit County. 10,000 people to commit themselves to pray for one year. That means we need more than just us because we don't have 10,000 people. This is what we're going to do. You got a card when you walked in. Hopefully, if you didn't get this card, then you can get it on the way out. But it has a place for your name and email. And a, if you want to be a part of the prayer team, then you can check a box that says you want to be reminded weekly or monthly, and you'll get pinged with an email. But out in the atrium, we also have another card. And this card is for you to give to somebody who doesn't go to this church, who is like-minded, goes to another church or something. And you say, listen, we, our church is trying to get 10,000 people to pray for one year. Would you take this? Would you go to the website? Would you consider praying like we're praying, that God would do something right here, right now, for Summit County to Reach and Rescue Summit? So that's the prayer part. The second part is give. Everything that you give today, and we're going to take an offering in just a minute, will go toward Reach and Rescue Summit. And then the last part is go. We need people to pray. We also need boots on the ground So there's a website on your card that you can go to to find out the hundred different ways that you can get involved in either reaching Summit and working with the addicted and the foster kids or rescuing Summit, working with our ministry partners to help to rescue and stop human trafficking. All right, we need both because this is what's true. People are driving by our church right now and they're thinking to themselves, I wonder what they're doing there. What if they're any good for anybody other than themselves? And we believe that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer for everything for everyone. And if Jesus is the answer to everything for everyone, then through Jesus, we can actually transform Summit. And ground zero for the problem can become ground zero for the solution. We can reach and rescue with God's help. All right? Transform 2018. Would you pray with me? Uh, God in heaven, uh, I am so grateful that you decide to do the things that you do. And you allow us to participate in what you're doing. And you do it through this combination of prayer and action. And so I pray that you would help us as a, as a group. I pray that you would actually reach and rescue someone. We need you now. We need you right here in the midst of this problem that is exploding all around us. And we want you to do it for your glory so that the, the people here will know that there's a God in heaven who can reach and rescue them. Pray that you would transform us, and then you will use us to transform the world around us. Thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm going to have the ushers come now. We're going to take an offering. And as you give, I want you to be thinking about two things. As you give, I want you to feel like you're throwing your heart, your, your, yourself right into the heart of God. And I want you to ask God to Uh, allow you to experience his love in a deeper way, and to grow your affection for him even as you give. And I want you to pray that what you give will actually be used to transform this whole area. All right? Thanks.